You're listening to Crime Watchers. Crime Watchers is an unauthorized, uncensored recap podcast for the biggest hit television show of the 2000s, Crime Stoppers Miami. I'm Kent Montagna. And I'm Piper Beckett. We wrote, direct, produced, and starred in this show. Because it's like I always say, Piper, I said this when we were making Crime Stoppers Miami, and I often say it now to anyone who will listen, uh, sommeliers, crime doesn't stop itself. And I find myself often saying this to sommeliers too for a different reason. Crime doesn't watch itself. That's where we come in. And what I'll often find is that sommeliers will be interested in trying to join in on the um, the riff. You know, they'll say something to me like, and wine doesn't pour itself is actually what I will say to them. Um, because they're, because if they they're there to pour it for you, that's what they're there to do. If they laugh at me saying the crime doesn't stop itself thing, then we can have a good repartee. If they don't, I say, and wine doesn't pour itself. So chop, chop, mister. And that can be very confusing for some of these guys, low IQ, because they hear you say chop, chop, and they think that's what they're supposed to do and to the wine. And then they start chopping a bottle of wine, and then there's glass and wine everywhere. You can't chop a bottle of wine. You can chop a bottle of champagne. You open it with a sword. Yep. Tell me I'm wrong. I can't tell you you're wrong. Because? You're not. Exactly. But if you chop a bottle of wine, it's a whole different story. Tell me I'm wrong. I can't. Because it is a whole different story. That's right. What's the last good thing you drank, Piper? Um. Oh, gosh. Well, I went to the doctor this week, and they had to do some stuff on me. And before I had that stuff had to be done, I had to drink a big styrofoam cup um, of some sort of concoction. It tasted like the worst thing I've ever had in my life. You're talking life. about drank. They yeah. gave you They gave you drank? Yes. And mm-hmm. I... Sprite, promethazine, Jolly Rancher. Yes. And you would say, Piper, uh, Kent just asked you for the best thing you've drank lately. Why did you say the worst thing you drank re- recently? And it actually wasn't. It was the best thing I've drank recently because it wasn't water. Which You're is on a solids only- diet, right? Yes. Piper is always trying these different uh, celebrity diets in order to try to uh, scrabble her way back uh, to the top of the call sheet. And the most recent... Eight ounces of ribeye, raw. Mm -hmm. Yep, blended. Blended has your entire daily allotment of water. That's all the human body needs. You can get... It's the water that's already in eight ounces of raw ribeye chopped up chopped and screwed and you know most of the way that a lot of these companies uh, Dasani get the water for their bottles is they squeeze it out of something right right? tell me I'm wrong I can't Dasani more like dishonesty that stuff tastes like crap and another thing would be dishonest tea which would be sort of you've got honest tea and then you could have dishonest Tea. And I thought I was really doing something with the play on words there because you said dishonesty. And I thought that's very interesting because the word dishonesty sounds like dishonest 
T. And it's very funny that that sounds like <laughs> dishonest T. Isn't that interesting? And then I realized that the tea company Honest Tea is already doing a play on the word honesty. honesty. So really all I was adding there was the dis to the honesty, which was already partway there. Um, That's crazy. <laughs> That's crazy. And this doctor, they were uh, located uh, out behind. They were located in a uh, a van out behind a Sonic drive-through. Is this right? Yes, they're not FDA approved yet, so they couldn't have a building. So I went to the van, and, and I'm FDA stands for the, the um, Fort Worth Drank Administration. Is that right? <laughs> I wish. No, the Food and Drug Administration. None of this is approved by the government, which is why they don't have a building. Which is why I had to go into the van. But I'm loving the results. Fort Worth is that in uh, by Fort Texas. Worth I meant yes and I meant Fort, Florida <laughs> I meant Florida the Florida Drank Administration and I also that's meant, what I what's call the one? my backyard <laughs> Fort Myers is what I meant you've got uh, your Miami you've got your Dade and a lot of people will be asking themselves Kent <laughs> excuse me weren't you the star and not only the star but the writer and the creator of Crime Stoppers Miami and director the and producer television show of the 2000s and i say to them and i know exactly what you are which is not a fan because if you were a fan you would know that we filmed it in toronto exactly this week's episode toronto if you're nasty and say that again and explain that so the the way that you would want to say The way you're supposed to say Toronto is not by pronouncing the second T. You're supposed to say Toronto. Toronto. You, okay, sure. But if you say like Toronto syrup. Sure. And Toronto. It's like Tarani. <laughs> and that's what we were always saying when we were filming. Which in is case also we forgot what where could... we were, because we were on Quaaludes. Mm-hmm. And we and so Toronto, if you pronounce it like that, that would be naughty to say. If you're that's nasty. Not hot, if you're nasty. And that's a Janet thing? Yeah. Okay. And so this episode <laughs> aired November 7th, 2003, but we filmed it in August 2001. We had to hold a lot of these in the can um, due to Hollywood accounting. So we filmed this one in August 2001. We're going uh, to recap this week's episode this is episode this is season one episode nine tuesday doomsday uh but first of all we thought it would be a fun behind the scenes to bring you the viewer into the milieu uh the mindset the zeitgeist the help me out here piper the uh we need another word that means the same thing as what i've already been saying uh, our uh, listeners aren't smart culture enough to the culture so here are some of the headlines from August 2001 when we first originally had written and recorded and produced and filmed and put into the can this episode of Crime Stoppers Miami. A balloonist at- abandons a, a balloonist abandons attempt to round world. Why don't you take that one again? <laughs> 
is what I said to him when he <laughs> abandoned his attempt to round the world. This is Steve Fawcett. He was a millionaire balloonist. He was on his fifth attempt to go around the world in a balloon, and he abandoned it, which apparently generates a headline, uh, quitting something. Proving conclusively, here's the next headline, that the world remains and shall remain square. President Bush to allow limited stem cell research. Bush Gardens to allow extensive stem cell research. Bush Light to research how to pour a beer into a glass with a stem and drink it and kill your blood, your brain cells and maybe even your blood cells. We got all these headlines from the Grey Lady. Princess Diaries released in theaters. Princess Diana released a fart in her coffin. Hashtag not my princess. Hashtag two shooters. Hashtag grassy knoll. Hashtag still alive. Uh, that's a little bit of editorializing. They didn't have hashtags back then. They just called them uh, pound signs. And that itself is interesting. I'm sorry, is this Jimmy Fallon and <laughs> Tina Fey on the line? Because I feel like I'm watching freaking Weekend Update right now. And I love that you thought it... Wait, who would you say? Jimmy Fallon and T- Tina Fey. Oh. Well, and what this really is, is it's a weekday update. Because you, if you'll recall, this is season one, episode of nine of Crime Stoppers Miami, which is titled Tuesday Doomsday, not Sunday Doomsday. That's or a different... late Saturday Doomsday. Or even some people would consider Friday to be the weekend. It's not Friday Doomsday. No. If you party hardy, then you might think of Thursday night as the start of the weekend. But we don't. I, I'm I'm sorry. I, I thought maybe you were Tina Fey and Jimmy Fallon, but I'm I'm mistaken. Well, and that's fine. And that is obviously that's our producer there weighing in, and that is of course how we agreed to how we got you to agree to take the gig. And it is also how we sold the show. We said to the network, we said, um, you have seen Saturday Night Live. You've seen Tina Fey. You've seen Jimmy Fallon. This is like that. How you remind me by Nickelback tops the airwaves. Aaliyah dies in a plane crash in the Bahamas four days later. The pilot must have heard that song. And with the looming threat of nuclear war and global catastrophe... uh, How little did we know in August 2001 just how true that was. The doomsday clock continued to tick ever closer to midnight. That's not a headline, but it is how we sold the show. We said said to the network, we said, you've seen this thing? Have you heard about this? This is the doomsday clock? They said, no, we don't read. We said, it's not something you read about. It's something you look at. They said, we don't look at stuff either. We eat caviar. We drink wine. You think we, we said, watch TV just because we make TV? No, I've never seen a show in my life. I've seen a show at the opera once. The guys, they said, we write checks, we don't read them. I said, you have something to live for. We have to give the people something to live for. We've got to make a show. And it's going to be called Crime Stoppers, and it's going to be set in Miami. And the rest is actually uh, history, and we're reliving it now. And we're so happy to be doing that with you. Let's dive into the episode, Piper. What do you say? Oh, let's. So as you heard, this uh, episode was called Tuesday Doomsday. Thanks for hitting that again. Anytime. It's a good title. It's a good title. I wrote it. We open on 
the you camera. wrote it really i wrote okay. it if you can call it that i said it and i had one of the guys in the writer's room write it down i said write this down tuesday doomsday and what is writing if not saying things we open on a camera it's rotate we open on a camera shot of miami we open on a camera, <laughs> we open on a camera shot uh of what we don't know because it's upside down uh it's upside down right now but it's, it's spinning so spinning. we've engaged the viewer right away they're thinking i don't know what this is but I think that soon I will. And it's I not spinning like a newspaper when it's like a newspaper. It's not spinning fast. Fast newspaper when it goes spinning and it says headline. G- big thing happened. It's not like that. It's slow. It's like the ticking of a clock. Very thematic, very metaphorical in terms of if you've looked at the TV guide, you've said to yourself, this episode is called Tuesday Doomsday. I wonder what that could have to do with the clock. So the camera's spinning around the whole city of, we're seeing the city of Miami from up high. The horizon is spinning around its axis. And um, that's all pretty much that we see at that point. Right, is we see the horizon of Miami. It's upside down. We see tick, 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 tick. tick. It's spinning around. We're looking until the city is right side up. Zoom. We fly through the air. It's a flying crane shot. And I'm not talking about martial arts. I'm talking about how you move a camera. It's flying down from a crane up high. Zoom, zoom, zoom through the city of Miami through an open window. It's what a film critic, if they ever took the time of day to review our show would have called a bravura shot it's very bravura we zoom in through an open window uh, of a building a house uh-huh. an apartment it's an apartment and <laughs> we, <laughs> we come in <laughs> we come in and um and what do we first see vomit and vomit. shit and empty bottles Everywhere. What else? Um, we see um, dollar bill, crumpled dollar bills. Braziers. T-shirts, socks, dirty socks, cum socks, half, half and empty dirty condoms. Socks. Half empty uh, condoms. Dangling from doorknobs. There's a lot and of doorknobs. And when you say half empty condoms, do you mean they're filled halfway with cum? Well, I mean they're half empty. And well, there's two ways look to it. look at it. Yeah. I think of them as half full with cum. There's many, many of those. How many times would the average man have to come into a condom for it to be half full or half empty, however you want to look at it? Well, I don't know the answer to that, but I know what might Well, if it's coming that many times, it can't be half empty. You got to be a little more optimistic. I know what might help him get there, though, which would be (laughs) apparently tab because there's... Empty cans of tab cans and cans everywhere. And cans. You have to remember this well, was the early pyramids of tab. Canned pyramids of tab. You got to remember this was the early two thousands. Everybody was drinking tab and uh, crystal Pepsi, and so there's tab and crystal Pepsi everywhere. Um, pretty much, there's a pile of 
pyramid of tabs cans and a pile of Crystal Pepsi cans. And we see the pile of Christy Pe- Pepsi cans. Christy uh, Pepsi. Uh, shake, rattle, and hum. This uh-huh. pile of Crystal Pepsi cans, it shakes, rattles, and rolls. <laughs> and we wonder who is under there. What is under there? And I'm wondering, watching it now today, and a lot of viewers were wondering at the time, we heard a lot of them turned it off at that point because they said, too scary for me. Yeah, I don't want to know. Sometimes it's better left unsaid or unseen, sight unseen. The unknown can be scarier, scarier as well. Yeah. And so it's interesting because we had some of our viewers, they stopped watching, <laughs> they said, too scary, I don't want to see it. Uh, other viewers, they said, too scary, or they said, very scary, I'm going to stop right watching. here. Oh. Or I or well, those are the that's the sweet spot. That's what you want. Yeah, very scary. I'm gonna keep watching to find I'm out scared. what this is, so I can be less scared. Yeah, yeah, and that's smart. And the for the the eagle-eyed viewers and the brave-hearted viewers who sticked around. Uh, it's, we, Cal. it's Cal. It's our main guy. It's me. It's the guy I played. I played a cop on this show. His name was Cal. I also and played a cop on the show. Her name was Abby. And we were the stars. And uh, and how good did that feel? Uh, <laughs> it's, honestly, I it's still hard to articulate, explain, um, as uh, that's the whole point of this podcast. And I still haven't managed a way to sort of say how great it felt to be one of the most famous people in the world for a short time. And I felt so good when we filmed this scene when I was under that pile of crystal Pepsi cans because I was drunk off my ass and I was high as a kite. Uh, I and was Cal was too. He was still really drunk and high from the night before. We can assume it's morning time and he's waking up and he's not hungover. He's really he, drunk and really high. He's crunk. He's crossfaded. He's crunk. Abby had a, a Piper had a rule on the show she would often say, if you fake it, you don't mean it. That's right. And I begged, I begged you, actually, I remember. Um, the I was trying to go clean. Um, and the night before we filmed this, you were, you were challenged. You know, I said, I can do it. I can, I said, I can, I said, I can, I can act tomorrow morning when we film this. And you no. said... No. Yeah. You, you said fake do it, you don't mean it. You, you you basically you told me I didn't care. Yeah, I was like, oh, interesting. We're only on episode nine of this series, and you're completely just abandoning everything. You're phoning it in. Somebody doesn't so, want a season three, four, five. And We'd I'm someone for who, for me, when I hear that I am f- am not giving something my hundred and ten percent, I'm actually that's what's going to make me give my hundred and. 11 percent yeah so you jacked off into all those condoms you got really drunk and high yeah you you were pouring more liquors and um down my throats and everything and kind of making you know a little bit more a little bit more come on Um, baby birdie needs a little bit more chin up anyway this (laughs) is pretty much the opening shot so cal he um he groans, he mm. throws his, um, he rubs his eyes. Oh, it's so uh, bright out, you know? Um, and he gets up, he throws all the Crystal Pepsi cans off. He's got a wristband on. It says Reggaeton Festival. Um, he's got, he's all face painted and everything. And um, he goes, he says, um, time for work. <laughs> and he, 
<laughs> he says, uh, <laughs> he just pulls on his police outfit. Time for work. Um, oh, he's buck naked. Yeah. Yeah. And then he pulls on his police outfit. Doesn't put on any underwear or shower or anything. Just pulls on his little police outfit and he goes to work. It's, it's tearaways. So he has to button it up from head to toe on both sides of his body, his police outfit. And from inner seam to crotch too. It's buttons on both sides of the leg. We cut to the police station, and by cut, I mean we follow Cal the whole way there in his car, <laughs> driving yes. really drunk. He's <laughs> um, crashing into <laughs> stuff. Stuff. No you know, people, like, just stuff. Yeah, we have bicyclists and um, they're bicycles, like not the guys. And he goes to work, and Abby doesn't show up. And Cal's like, "Okay, well, in yeah, when he's there I w- waiting." Yeah. And where is she? Where is she? And he says, "This is school rules. If she doesn't show up in fifteen minutes, I get the day off." Yeah, he stands up. He says that to everyone quietly, because he so he says that quietly, and he says, "Um, and you heard me say it too. And if you have a problem with that." then you can say so now. And he tries to leave and the chief stops him. Yes. Brian, it's Brian Cox. He puts his hand out. He's whoa, 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 whoa. Rest where do you think you're going, Mr. Big Shot? Uh, <laughs> so he had written very good... Um, really good dialogue in the scene. If somebody had bothered to review this, they might call this bravura dialogue. And Cal kind of goes, I'm going home, school rules. Abby isn't showing up. And if she's not here, then I'm not working. And the chief is pretty much like, um, he's pretty much like, like, you know, that horse shit used to play around here. But as long as you're on my watch, uh, then, you know, um, uh, yo no juego this game. Right? Yeah. It's kind of some the Brian Cox's character would often slip into little bits of Spanish or something to kind of act kind of act more um like he's with it with his officers like he's part of the city of Miami or whatever, you know. Yeah. I mean Cal obviously um doesn't even speak Spanish, so it doesn't really mean anything to Cal to hear this. Yeah, in fact, he um, knows so little Spanish. He goes, oh, juego. Don't even say that. I had way too much gin and juice last night. Don't <laughs> even say juego at me. So they're kind of talking across <laughs> purposes. And the chief goes, uh, he goes, you're on traffic duty, buddy, uh, for the rest of the day. So we cut to Cal. Cal. on traffic duty. What's he doing? What do we see here? I mean, this is fun and games for our viewers here. For sure, for sure. He's kind of, I mean, he's doing what Cal does. He's arresting bicyclists. He's arresting pedestrians. He's sort of waving along any car that's driving 70 miles an hour and says, oh, you don't need to stop. If you're already driving too fast, uh, it would be safer if you didn't stop. But it's very fun because he's doing dancing traffic cop the whole time too, and so yes. And what you got Everybody, let's do let's do um, a flash mob. Let's get a flash mob going. 
and nobody's kind of doing it with him, but he looks, he looks good. You looked good. And I want to ask you, did you choreograph yourself, yourself that? The whole flash mob and the whole dance and everything Did I choreograph all that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's this dance I came up with where you pretty much put one arm out in front of you and then you put your other arm out in front of you and then you put your first arm up on your head and then your second arm up on your head and then you put your first arm down on your hips and then your second arm down on your hips. Then you put your first arm across your hips and then your second arm across your hips. And then you spin your hips around and then you do a 90 degree jump and you face the next direction and you do the whole thing again. And you keep going around 90 degrees, 90 degrees doing that. And um, we called it the macaroni. And so we did that and um, somebody in this scene is Cal is trying to, he's basically making everyone do that, you know, like bum, 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 macaroni, dun, 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 macaroni, dun, 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 macaroni, hey, macaroni, and there's this delinquent who's not participating, and Cal hits them a bunch, and finally he's like, why aren't you participating? You know, that's why I'm hitting you for and is you, is you is, why are you not participating you that's got, what i'm hitting you for is you got you've got to you you've got to be doing it um i'm a cop i'm a cop this is what i want you to do if you don't do it um i'm, I'm gonna write you, you big ticket yeah I'm write um, you a disobedience ticket the guy is it's a old man he's pointing up um at something. something. Cal's like, what are you pointing at? Stop pointing. Do the macaroni. <laughs> and the old man, he can't stop pointing no matter how much Cal is pushing him and yelling at him. And he goes, it's the doomsday clock. It's moved. It's almost at midnight. And it looks yep. like there's a lady taped to it that looks like she's yep. attached to it and her crotch is out. It was actually amazing, you know, um, <laughs> production asked when we wrote this scene, they were like, how the fuck do you want us to make a doomsday clock out of? And we were like, we're uh, in Toronto, use yeah, the Drake so we'll, Tower. Yeah, use the Drake Tower. Put two <laughs> fucking mean, look, hands on the Drake Tower we and it's the doomsday clock. We were always talking to these guys. Hey, how about <laughs> you think about the resources you have available and then you use them to solve a problem. I mean, do you, you have two s- big pipes? Okay, those are clock hands. Put them on the time tower. A lot of times, what we do is production comes to us with some kind of problem, and we'd say, "Hang on, you know what I'm going to do? I'm not going to answer that question for you. I'm going to. I would wheel in a um, one of those video carts that they had in elementary school with uh-huh. the television on it. Uh-huh. I put in Apollo 13. I'd say, watch this." They watch the whole movie. And then I say to them, you see how those guys solve a problem? Be like them. Right. And then in this case, they were kind of like, we don't really get what you're saying. So we said, do you have two big pipes? They weren't smart. They were low IQ individuals. A lot of these people we had working with us. Um, Unfortunately, which, you know, it's just lucky that we have some of that to spare. So they built the uh, clock on the Drake Tower. 
they strapped a lady to it and that was that. And it looked really good. And Cal looked up and he said, well, why do I care? Why would I care that it's almost at midnight on this clock and there's this freaking lady on it? Why would I care? And everybody stops doing the macaroni and <laughs> the old guy actually started doing the macaroni after it's that. It's very funny. He starts it right when everyone else stops uh, and he just kind of says, um, he goes, uh, it'll, he goes, it'll blow the whole city up. And then we cut. Hey, into macaroni. Commercial for, of course, craft dinner. It's a commercial for craft dinner. Um, alphabet style. The noodles are little, um, alphabets. We, the commercial we made, it's, um, there's a kid. It's a kid. He's being made fun of. He can't read. No. People, people are making fun of him. He can't read. So um, he goes home mama. and he tells his mom, everybody's making fun of me because I can't read. And she goes, <laughs> she, goes tell, she goes, she goes, they're not wrong. I've been trying to get you to read all this time, but I think I have something that might help. So she goes to the pantry and she pulls out a box of Kraft dinner and it's the alphabet shapes yep. and she puts them all in a bowl and she cooks it. And she uses whole milk and everything. She does it the good way and adds butter and all that good stuff. And then she sets it in front of him and she says, can you read that? He goes, no. And she goes, no, nope, but you can eat it. And it's good for your body. It tastes good too. <laughs> it's got, it's full of vitamins and nutrients and there's not a single bad thing in there. And it's gluten and free. you're going to get so... She says, <laughs> She says it's gluten-free. And you hear uh, this guy off camera. He goes, stick to the script. <laughs> she, she goes, it's only full of good stuff, so it's going to make you really big and strong. So you can, next you can, time she at can school, beat those other kids up. Yeah, so yeah. next time at school, they make yeah. fun of you for not being able to read. You can beat them up. Yeah. Uh, and she goes, and she goes, you don't come back into this house until you have blood on your hands. You hear me? And the commercial ends is there. Um, and you know something that's interesting, Piper, is uh, I used to always make the mac and cheese, as you put it, the good way. With, um, yeah. you know, you put in the butter. You put in the, um, milk. the milk. You put in the butter. And, um, and particularly what I'm interested in here is the butter. Uh, I saw somebody had told me, um, it's one of the security guards who lives in the neighborhood here, uh, that I live in. I still live on set up in Toronto. He told me, um, you know, I know this sounds counterintuitive. He said, I don't put the butter in it. He goes, I don't put the butter in it because you're not trying to make, he goes, if you're making homemade mac and cheese, put all the butter in it you want. But box mac and cheese, you're not trying to make it taste like butter. You're trying to make it taste like cheese. Cheese, yeah. And so you want as much of the pure cheese powder flavor as you can get in there. And if you put the butter in it, it kind of cuts through some of that. And I tried it his way and, uh, and I don't think he was wrong. I don't That's think interesting he was wrong. because I think it, to your point, if you're making a homemade Mac and cheese, the butter isn't there for flavor. It does add in part a buttery flavor to add salt. If you use salted butter, I, I understand that. But what you're doing is using it to make a roux for a cheese sauce so that the cheese becomes 
the consistency that you need it to be right, in a dish. Right. So adding it after the noodles have already been cooked along with a cheesy powder packet, I get what you're you maybe saying. You don't need like it the same way. Right. It's not doing the same. It's not serving the same function as it would in a homemade mac and cheese. And ruining the day is what uh, Cal and Abby and the city of Miami are told that they are going to be doing. Um, because I know that for our viewers watching this, they're kind of thinking, and I was thinking watching it again because I've forgotten so much from back then. Um, mm-hmm. Okay, why is there lady strapped to the doomsday clock that will blow up if it gets to midnight, which it's very close to now and it's tick, tick, ticking ever closer. Uh, that's for me the question. At the end of the act that we just heard, I'm going, oh, why? <laughs> well. In act two, we find out why we, after the craft commercial. We do. We open on a, mm, we open on a emergency broadcast. Yes? Yes. Um <laughs> Static, static, static. And here is a man. What is he wearing? What does he look like? Suit. Wearing a suit. Side part in his hair. Very, very prominent part in his hair. Very strong chin and jaw. Dollar bills all Thick over his neck. suit. Dollar bill signs all over his suit. Um, uh-huh. Big glasses that look like mouths that are open. Face is in makeup. You not clown makeup, but normal makeup to make him look ready for TV, being on TV. Yeah, just ca- camera ready. He's going. He's giggling. Aloha, Miami. It's me, your friendly neighborhood giggler. I bet by now you've all looked up into the sky and you've seen that the doomsday clock that looms over the city, always looming, always ticking, but never getting any closer to midnight, has finally reached its apex. And you know what will happen if it reaches its apex. Tick, tick, boom! And away you go, into the ocean. I hope that you have gills, because otherwise you won't be able to breathe down there, unless you could swim. And then you could swim back to the shore. If it still is here, which it won't be, because it's going to blow up. I bet you're wondering now what I want. I want something very simple. I want my joke printed in the Reader's Digest. Print my joke in the Reader's Digest, or kablowie you go! And so that was the Giggler, a new sort of villain to the show, who, as you probably all know, since you're all big fans, shows up again and again, and this is our introduction to him. And what's so funny and fun about this first iteration of the Giggler, the first time we meet him, um, is something that remains true through the whole time we know him, which is that he cannot um, really choose what accent he wants to have. He sort of goes in and out of different um, uh, different types of ways of speaking, but at the same time, they're always very scary. We had Billy Crystal play him, and um, 
And he was good. He was really good, you know. <clears throat> I mean, it was incredible work. But he could not figure out what he was doing with his voice. No, I mean, when we hired him, we thought we were hiring Billy Crystal from City Slickers. And when Harry met Sally. When Harry met Sally. And stuff. Um, but it turned out it was just this guy. Yeah, just a guy named Billy Crystal. Yeah. With a K. And <laughs> it was this guy named Billy Crystal <laughs> with a K. Um, B-I-L-L-I-K-R-Y-S-T-A-L. Yeah, he was... And that should have been... That should have been our first clue. <laughs> he was very big in the roller rink karaoke scene up in Toronto, um, which is pretty much this Toronto thing where you do karaoke while you're roller skating. And I think that he thought if he got good enough at that, that it could be sort of a catapult to stardom for him, you know? Um, yeah. And it was, because we casted him in this. And he was the giggler throughout all of our seasons. All, all of our seasons. Um, so basically after this airs on the TV, we pull out, we see all the cops, they're in the cop station, they're watching this, they're very frightened. They're, oh, I'm fearing for my life, I'm fearing for my life is what they're all yelling. The world's about to end. Yeah, firing their guns and screaming. And <laughs> the chief is like, you know, Norm, he's like, calm down, everybody. Normally... I would send Abby to go talk to the editor of the Reader's Digest because she's the only one of you that can even read. But guess what? She's not here. Where is she? Where is she? Where I could don't she know. be? Where could she be? And Cal says, uh, I don't know. I haven't heard from her. I haven't heard from her in a while. And if you recall, I said, oh, if Abby's not here, then it's middle school rules. I get to go home because the teacher's not here. But uh, uh, so I think now, especially since you're noticing, I, sh I should get to go home and not have to do anything about this. And the chief says, well, unfortunately, you're the second best guy we have for some reason. So you have to go do this. We were really interested when we were making this show in the what's not so much as the why's. You know, people when they watch television, they want the what's. You know, like uh, what happened, right? Not why did uh -huh. it happen. Uh -huh. um, and so for us, the important thing is that we get to the scene where this very meaty scene where Cal it goes to the reader's digest editor's house and it's very tense because Cal is there. He's got to accomplish something. He has got to right. get this reader's digest editor on a weekend on a weekend played by, um, it's play. It's played by, um, uh, the, um, Brian Baumgartner. Who's that? The guy that the played guy from him. Brian Baumgartner. Yeah. From the office. Yeah. yeah, he played Kevin in the office. Yeah, this was his first big break, Brian Baumgartner. Yeah. So he, if you like The Office, you have us to thank. He plays a very bookish man here. Um, he's wearing a smoking jacket. Holding and a big corn cob pipe. And he's got spectacles on. And, he and lots has of hair. A fire we gave going. him a wig. We gave him a wig. Uh, he Cal breaks down his door, and <laughs> Brian Gon Gardner, the Reader's Digest editor, he goes. Um, Gon Gardner. 
He goes, what are you, he goes, he points gun at Cal and he goes, he pulls his gun out and he's got this dual Old pistol. This old dueling pistol. He gives one to, he goes, he points one at Cal. He goes, what are you doing here? He gives him, Cal says, I'm here to relax. I'm just here to talk. Brian Gongarner gives him the other pistol. He goes, fair's fair. Sure. Let's talk. Now now we can really talk is what he says. Now we can really yes. have a conversation. Yes. And do you remember how that conversation went? Yeah. So they sit down in two. I mean, two, you just watched the episode, obviously. Yeah. So they sit down in two velvet wingback chairs yeah. across from each other in front of the fireplace. And Cal says, so <clears throat> you've heard of the giggler, right? And Brian Gungerlner says, I, yeah, I've heard of the giggler. He's very scary. And I just saw the emergency broadcast he made about the doomsday clock and how if I don't print his joke in the reader's digest, well, the city's going to blow up and everything is going to die. And Cal says, so I bet you can guess why I'm here. And Brian Gungerlner goes, no, I don't actually know why you're here. And Cal waves a pistol in his face and says, come on, come on. I need you to print this. And I know we are running out of time. Yeah. Um, and it's a literal ticking clock, a literal ticking clock. And we're on the last seconds. And the editor says, you know what? No, I have editorial standards. People hired me because I'm the best guy for the job and I'm not going to change my quality controls just because some guy in a suit says he's going to blow up the entire city. That's just not what Reader's Digest is. We have printed all the best authors you've ever seen. We gave them their big breaks and it wouldn't be fair for me to just bend the knee to some giggler whose joke was really bad. He goes, let me be clear. He stands up. Let me be clear. Brian Bongburner does not negotiate with terrorists. Yeah. And Cal starts clapping. He's Cal like, that's literally he claps. And he that's, claps. He, he goes, goes I he wish says, I could. Fuck yeah. He goes, I wish I could. I wish I wanted to suck your dick. I wish I wanted to suck your dick because I would. And he starts actually sucking the pistol that he's holding instead. And he goes like, you can pretend this is your dick if you want. He says, you can pretend. He says, go ahead, pretend, pretend, pretend. And Brian Bongburner at that point is pretty much like, I'm going to bed. Um, And we... See you tomorrow. Just kidding. We'll all be dead. We cut to a... um, Commercial. Commercial. For For? Slankets. Um, This was the first time that Slankets had come out. We gave them their big break. Yeah, um, because, you know, we thought this would be a good commercial for this one because um, we had just seen how cozy uh, Brian Brongburner was and in his um, smoking jacket and everything. And uh-huh. but our audience, you know, they're not so elegant as they're not really the Raiders Digest crowd, you know. No, they're more of a sweatpants and mad TV type of a guys. <laughs> yeah. And so we said, let's do a commercial for Slankets. First, let's invent them. <laughs> let's sew a couple so we have some mm. inventory. We invented the Slanket. It's you take a blanket, you sew the two ends together, and you put some more holes in it. 
and <laughs> then you pretty much can sell it for more. Right. You know, we said, and the commercial, and that's what we did for the commercial. We said, that said was the hey, everybody, we said, hey, everybody, it's the Slanket. Look how it's made. Pretty easy, huh? Footage of a $50. sweatshop. There's these kids <laughs> sewing blankets together, cutting holes in them, sleeping in them, and $50. Yeah. $50. Three easy payments. So we cut back to, from that commercial, we come out of that. Cal is now like, he's stumbling out of the um, uh, Brian Bongburner's house, and he's mm-hmm. like, He's like, oh shit! It's getting closer to midnight on the doomsday clock. The whole city's gonna blow. The city's gonna I gotta, blow up. He's like, I, I gotta, gotta get the fuck out of here. Yeah, I gotta try to track down the. Well, hang on, wait, hang on. Um, out of co- the editor's probably, house. <laughs> yeah, you're getting ahead of yourself because he's like, I gotta track down the giggler because we're gonna get there. We're, we're about to get there. That's what's in the next scene, right? He's like, I gotta track down the giggler. You know, yes. where could he be? He looks, he, we see, he, he goes all over town. Low. He looks all over town. He, he looks goes at all the, to the every improv clubs, show. Every improv bar. Um, very big improv. I mean, this was, you got to remember when this show was made and when it's taking place, right, Piper? I do have to remember that. 2000s, yeah. early yep. 2000s. Improv is king. Yes, people are doing improv everywhere. There's improv a, everywhere. You go into uh, any bar in Miami, the greater Miami Fort Worth area. Even a nice like seafood or steakhouse. You're going to have guys who are, they got one guy standing behind another guy. He's got his arms through his other arms, pretending his arms is the other guy's arms. Yes. Or there's two guys kissing and pretending to be in a Shakespeare play. There's guys, they're standing in line singing a hoedown song. There's, there's guys, there's one guy standing off to a side and then three guys standing on the other side and they're all acting like they're on a game show. They're singing songs in different genres. A lot of our viewers probably, I mean, this was the 2000s, so this stuff was huge. If our viewers are new to Crime Stoppers Miami, what they might not realize is even what the f- f- frick we're talking about. I know, totally. I just thought of that. Give me a genre. Um, uh, opera. Give me a topic. Um, high, highlighter. Using a highlighter to uh, take notes. Oh, I'm reading an article and I don't know what part to pay attention to. When I'm recapping the article, I won't know which part to m- 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 mention to you. However, will I remember which part of the text that I read is key? I need a color that I can keep track of words with for me, and it'd be something like that. And yes, w- and people, people would clap and clap and clap and clap. People ate this stuff up. Cal hates it. He's <laughs> um. Pretty much, um, everybody goes clowns. into. Why don't you get a job? Why don't you do something like everybody loves Raymond, where that's written down? He can't find the giggler anywhere. Finally, he ends up back at the um, police station. He's drunk off his ass because he's had to be drinking it to <laughs> get into all these improv clubs. All these improv shows. Two drink minimums for the giggler. Two drink minimums. 
he's I mean he's practically fallen down he is he's yeah on the ground dragging himself by his hands <laughs> through the police station doors um he goes I can't find the gigglers anywhere I can't find the gigglers anywhere <laughs> And, and he yet yoinks himself up. He grabs the end of a desk and he yoinks himself up and gets his kind of gets kind of the f- top half of his torso laying on the desk. And he grabs the telephone off the desk and he hits star sixty nine. Yep, because he thinks the giggler called here earlier. Yeah, he just realizes the answer. He just realizes what to do. Yeah. There's nothing in this scene that prompts it or makes it happen. He just is like, okay, it's, now I know what I to do. I know what to do. Dial star six nine, the giggler answers. The giggler answers. And he says, Giggler speaking? To who do I owe the pleasure? This is Cal, drunk of my ass, man. Oh, my plan is going exactly as I planned it to. You expect me to be drunk out of my ass? Yes! You've reached the time of the night when you have no other choice but to negotiate. So, what can you give me? I can't give you anything, man. I tried. They won't print the joke. You joke is dog shit. They won't print it. Well, that's too bad. Toodaloo! So the conversation ends there. And Piper, I don't know what your experience was, but for me watching this, I felt my bottom drop out. Yeah, my um, ass fell out of my ass and onto the ground. I felt sick watching this. I actually threw up, if you remember, from watching together. I threw up everywhere and started crying so hard. I remember because you had a very hard time doing it. Because you you kept I didn't uh, you were trying to throw up you know you were sick I'm gonna be sick I'm gonna be sick I'm gonna throw up and then you're like but I I, I and I'm like um why aren't you then and I'm like here have some something to drink to help it come up with you're like no, I can't drink any liquid solid. can't drink any yeah. liquid so I had to try and throw up a bunch of raw steak that I put dry in the blender chunks. dry yep. chunks and they had sort of because all the moisture from the steak itself had sort of been um, absorbed into my body for health. It was so dry. dry. Yeah. And we didn't say earlier about the blending that it's blended. It's coarse blending that you do. Yeah. There's nothing in there. So these are one inch chunks. (laughs) It's more like chopping with a knife, but I do it in the blender because I don't want to get my knives dirty. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Um, Well, and because if you let yourself. I had a little salt. If you let yourself have a knife to be chopping with, you might accidentally chop. You might accidentally get confused and chop a bottle of wine or something, which could be very scary. Big, big scary. Yeah. So anyway, I tried to throw up a bunch of raw steak in my tummy, but it was too dry, and then I couldn't. But so I started crying instead. But also, my eyes were too dry, so it was just sort of me just sitting there going. And by the time that you wiped your eyes away, we were in the next scene and you were like, what's happening? What's happening? And what was yeah. happening? So Cal, <laughs> this is this was crazy. Imagine you're me and you're not knowing what's going on and you sort of come up, you snap out of it and Cal's in the airport. Yeah. What's he doing there? <laughs> buying a one-way ticket out of Miami. He's at the ticket desk. He's talking to the nice lady and he says, yep. I need a one-way ticket out of Miami to, to anywhere. anywhere. Yeah. 
And she says, how about Maine? Yeah. He's like, he goes yeah. anywhere. He goes, I literally just said anywhere. Whatever yep. you want, lady. Yep. What about mm, New York City? He says, <laughs> she goes, how about Maine? He goes, mm, how about mm, somewhere else? So they kind of had two different <laughs> conversations. <laughs> They kind of do this. She <laughs> like goes, the okay. First one. Well, <laughs> the plane to Maine already took off, so um, I guess you can have a ticket to like <laughs> Philadelphia. Um, and he goes, "Are you sure that one's not taking off?" And she's like, "Yeah, no, no, no." It's she goes, "Get on any plane." She goes, "Tell you what, give me pay $600, me fifty dollars. Fifty dollars. <laughs> you can get on any plane you want." Yeah. He gives so he her hundred bucks. <laughs> he goes through security. Remember, we filmed this August 2001. So he pretty much just walks onto security. I mean, back in, like a lot of our younger listeners, they might not realize before the date that shall not be named happened, you could pretty much get onto a plane by you would just go give cash to the pilot. You would pretty much could just walk into secure into um, the airport and find whichever plane you would wanted and you could go in and be like a lot of cash yeah uh hey here's my check here's my check from working down at the docks i'm gonna sign it over to you and can i get on the plane and the pilot would have to say (laughs) yeah yeah legally i'm required to let you yeah so he gets on the plane to philadelphia and the plane (laughs) gets on it (laughs) Yeah, he gets on. Finally. It. He gets on the freaking plane. Didn't bring a thing with him. And no, the plane He's so bored, dude. We, we all, he's on this plane. He's looking at Sky Mall. He's on this plane. The only thing he's he goes, uh he says to the um stewardess, he goes, Excuse me, stewardess. Uh do you guys have anything to read besides fucking Sky Mall? And they said, no, not really. Honestly, most people bring their own stuff, like a magazine or a book or something. And he gets really mad. He goes, what about if I jerk off? Can I do that? And she says, no, No. you can't do that. She says, that's the one thing you're not allowed to do. And we're about to take off. So can you um, put up your table tray that you're trying to jack off under and kind of buckle (laughs) your (laughs) seatbelt? He says, she says, no, you can't do that. He puts his, he goes, okay. He goes, he goes, okay, I won't, I won't. He puts his table tray down. And he goes, she goes, what are you Wait. doing, sir? What are you doing under your uh, table tray there? He goes, oh, I just remembered that I, um, I have a, um, uh, I brought a bottle of liquor with me onto the plane that uh, it's no good if sunlight touches it. So I got to open it down <laughs> under the table tray. And it takes a lot of, twi- he, the table tray is bumping up and down. He goes, it takes a lot of twists to open the cap. Yeah. She says, you're not allowed to bring liquor. You can't and bring you have liquor to put up your table. onto the plane. You can't jerk off. You got to put your table tray, your tr- table tray up. <laughs> your and table then, trays <laughs> up, your seat backs in the full upright position. And while this is all happening, the plane takes off. Yeah, it's flying. Um. It's flying, and Cal finally, he goes, okay, okay. Uh, He puts his table tray up, and he looks out the window, and the plane is flying by what? (gasps) The Doomsday Tower. 
We've and seen the it clock before. Itself. It's familiar to us. Cal, he goes, uh, huh, boy, I'll tell you what, I never want to see that again after the day I've had. And he sort of looks around and nobody really says anything. Nobody's like, why or what happened? No, the person that was sitting next to him already moved. <laughs> yeah, because of the jacking off. And so he then he kind of looks over at the window yeah again he's like i guess i'll look at the tower again (laughs) and he what does he see he uh well what he sees is um someone and it's abby tied to the clock hand she's tied to the minute hand of the doomsday clock his partner abby played by piper beckett in so her, yeah, it was me actually tied to that pipe that yeah. they attached to the Drake Tower. I said, you have to let me do this because if it's not me, everybody's going to know that it's not me and we can't do this on the ground and put it on a green screen or anything like that. It needs to be the real thing. I need to, I need, if you're faking it, you don't care or whatever my slogan was. Cal, he uh, he lifts his balls off the tray table and he's, because um, the whole time he's jerking off, his balls are up on the, <laughs> they're resting up on the tray table. Oh, because his he, dick is upside down. He has an upside down penis. So when he's jerking off below the tray table, the balls that are on top of the dick are resting on it. And, and he, the, you, when you say he, you obviously mean you. Me, me, Kent, myself. I picked him up. I remember I'm thumping on the plane window. I'm trying to scream at Abby. Abby! Abby! My one true partner! My favorite love! Can you hear me? Uh, Can you hear me? I'm so sorry I had to go. I had to leave. I'm sorry. I never would have done it if I had known that you were tied to the clock tower. She's looking at him. She's, she's, uh, she looks out of, she looks, um, bad, bad, (laughs) bleary-eyed. Um, yeah, she's been tied to a clock hand. And I said, also, when we filmed this, I said, you need to make them actually spin around and round. And I also need to be up there for the duration of time that this would take place on. So I was up there for hours and hours duct taped to this clock hand. Cal goes, I'm going to save you. And he reaches into his um, pocket and he pulls out a gun. So you might have noticed earlier, we said that he didn't have anything on him and he was really bored, but he actually had a gun, but he couldn't do anything with it on the plane. Yeah, you can't now. read a gun and Cal can't read anyway. And so we cut to... Um, a commercial for United commercial. Airlines. Yes, and then we cut back from that and Cal, we cut into... Um, Cal is firing shots into the ceiling and he goes, nobody fucking move. And he, everybody starts moving. <laughs> They're like, we need to stop this guy. So he has to fight off flight boom, attendants. Boom, boom, He's fucking firing off calf shots. And taking passengers out the and boom, pilot. Boom. They're going he's, down. Bam, bam. They're, he's fucking shooting them in their feet. They're tripping and they're screaming. And so everybody's upset. Nobody dies, but everybody's upset because they're I'm hurt the by the gun. Now. I'm the captain now. They took that one from us. And so he goes into the cockpit and he sits in the in the little pilot seat and he lands the plane on the ocean, which in this case is Lake Ontario. 
They had me. They had. They had me do the sound effects for the whole thing. We. They said that we could hire a sound effects guy to do it. I said I'd rather have the money in my pocket. Foley artist? What's that? That sounds silly. I'll do it myself. We don't need a Foley artist because I'm fully an artist. And watch me paint. Boo! Pow! 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 Cal, all, Cal, he's he uh, takes a life. He gets a um, all the life vests get um, they uh, there's no life vests. There's no <laughs> life vests taken. because um, he's going. Where are the life vests? Where are the life vests? I need a life vest. Captain goes. Uh, it's some um, all the women and children shareholder. Took them. We had to return all the women and children. They took them. They took them. Um, and. Cal, he's uh, the plane is sinking, and Cal's on it. He's on. He's standing. Cal's on the top own of it. it. Cal's own the plane. Exactly. He's on the. We're gonna just let that one fly by, <laughs> um, unlike the plane which flies into the, the ocean. ocean, which is Lake Ontario. Cal is. He's standing on top of the wreckage, and it's sinking, <laughs> and the captain is um, swimming away, right? Yeah. And he says back to Cal, he's like, why aren't you coming with me? Cal goes, I can't swim. Can't fucking and he's swim. he's sinking into the ocean with the plane. Drowning, drowning, drowning. My, I don't know about you, but when I saw that, my bottom dropped out. Ah, uh, yeah. And... Kind of the whole same thing that happened to me before happened again. I tried to puke. I tried to cry. None of that would happen. Yeah, exactly. We cut to... <laughs> a commercial. A commercial, which is, oh my God. For me, this has got to be the worst time to cut to a commercial. I'm thinking... For Carnival Cruises, no less. Exactly. You know, Carnival Cruises. Uh, and we don't have to cover exactly what happened in that commercial. In fact, we shouldn't legally... Yeah, we legally we legally can't cover what we filmed for that commercial because of a cease and desist situation from Carnival Cruises. Yeah, yep, they have a good legal team. Not a lot of these, not a lot of these companies have a good legal team, but they do. Um, but suffices to say that the commercial it was mainly about a whale that was alive at the beginning of it. Now we cut back to um, the show and I'm like, what the heck is going on? Because we're all of a sudden, we're way up in the air, our camera angle. Wait, I thought we were in the ocean is what you kept saying. That's what I thought. And I'm going to myself, "Uh, maybe Cal could fly and he flew out of the ocean. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I thought when I saw that. And then you're like, I don't remember filming that. Up in the air, I didn't remember it. What were we looking at, Piper? And this is... And and this is, it's very it's very fortunate that you're the one recapping this. That it's, it's me about and you. me. It's about you. You happened to be in this uh, scene. Yeah, this is the first <laughs> scene I'm really in. Besides yeah. the one earlier where Cal sees me from the clock tower, but now we are in my perspective. We're flashing Ooh. back to the a-ra, plane. A-ra, a-ra, record scratch. We're flashing back to a-ra, me. Yeah. Doc tape to a clock hand, seeing the plane flying by the clock tower, seeing Cal, seeing his mouth, maybe making an apology, maybe not. She can't really tell. So, baby, work it. 
But she sees him yank out a gun and she thinks to herself out loud, he's going to save me. Wait a second. He can't swim. And she sees the plane start going towards the ocean and crash landing right into the ocean safely so that everybody can get out. And Cal's bobbing up and down in the ocean. And she says, I got to get off this clock. And the giggler is right behind her. He's kind of doing something. He's like, his office is up on the doomsday (laughs) clock. His office is on the doomsday clock. And he's sitting at his his typewriter and he's typewriting some more jokes and laughing to himself. He's writing jokes. Yeah. And Abby gets an idea and she says, you know, Giggler, I'm glad actually that Cal is going to die. <sighs> he has no sense of humor anyway. He never told a joke or laughed at a joke. So it's probably for the best that he's going to die along with everybody else. I never understood why a woman would want a man with no sense of humor. Me either, Giggler. Hey, <laughs> You've got jokes, right? Why don't you Jokes? I've got truckloads of them. Too bad that they're all going to go kablow with the city of Miami in just a few short seconds. Well, before that happens, do you want to maybe tell me one? Tell you a joke? Why, I don't think I could. I'm not sure you deserve to hear it. Oh, come on. I'm tied up here, and that's all I... It's the one last thing you could give me before we all die. Okay. (laughs) What did the egg say to the... What did the... There was a... There was a frying... There was a frying pan. There was a frying... I haven't gotten to the joke yet. There was a frying pan, and it was... There was a very funny frying pan. What did the egg say to the very funny frying pan? Oh, <laughs> Giggler, I don't know, but this premise is already so funny. You crack, you crack my shell. <laughs> oh my gosh, Giggler, that's so funny. Do you so really think I'm funny? funny. Yes, oh you my really gosh. So? I've never heard anybody funnier than you. You're even funnier than Dennis Miller. Who I love and think is funny. I know, and I don't need you to tell me that. Oh, it's such a shame that we're all going to be dead before you could do some stand-up. I would, oh man, I would pay any amount of money to sit in the front row and see you do a full hour set. I've always thought about trying stand-up. I don't know if it's for me. Would you really come if I did an open mic? Oh my gosh, the giggler. I would I would come to an open mic. I would come to you when you sell out Miami Theater. I would come to see you anytime doing stand up. So the giggler, he lets he basically his <laughs> ego has been stroked and he's hoping that that's not all that's going to get stroked. So he um takes the tape off of uh, Abby, which is how she's stuck to the clock. He pretty much takes the tape off mm-hmm. and he pulls her um, safely onto the ledge into his office. And Abby goes, thanks, Giggler. And she um, she goes, can I, uh, one more thing. Can I have a hug? And, and <laughs> this was pretty smart. Yeah. 
they this is actually a- something i wrote in at the last minute this was all improvised we were just gonna have it so that the giggler and i hugged and that was kind of it that was gonna be the end of the episode right um but piper was like well you know we got this whole thing with Kel, he's drowning out in the ocean. Maybe we should try to like loop back to that. Right. So she goes in for a hug with the giggler. It's hard for them to get close to each other because he has a big boner. <laughs> and so she goes, can you turn around maybe? Giggler, he turns around. She gives him a hug from behind. And then and pushes him off the edge of the clock tower. rides him down to the ground like a silver surfer. Yes. Where she's riding him down and he falls and he splats on the ground. And he breaks my fall. And every bone So I don't get hurt. And then we basically get Abby. She goes, um, see, I wouldn't want to be you. And she like. Sprint towards the ocean. Sprints very fast. Um, There's all kind of motorcycle bicycles and scooters that she passes by she's run run running to the ocean um couldn't be running faster she gets out there there's jet skis all parked out on the beach she gets into the water she's swimming very fast um and the last shot of the the last scene of the episode is we cut you know we get we got Hershey swimming and then we cut and we're back in Cal's position and he's down in the water he's looking up he's um He's, we get a thought bubble from him. He goes, I'm about to swallow a mouthful of water and die. And (laughs) (laughs) there's a a hand reaches down into the water and uh, pulls him up. And who is it? It's Abby. It's me. It's Abby. It's her. That is what I love about this ending here is we are back to, is it's, it's all juxtapositions. It's, it's death or near death. It's the giggler breaking every bone in his body. It's Cal almost dying and it's life. It's Abby reaching down into the water and grabbing Cal's hand and pulling him back from the literal brink. And under saving the, water. the entire city, the entire Miami Dade County from certain death. And it's arguable as to which character did that because <laughs> Cal, he's the one who flies by and gives Abby the idea to like try. She hasn't even tried up to that point. No, she had sort of reserved, resigned herself to certain death. Or reserved her energy for a last minute Hail Mary. You know, I mean, yes. why, you know, it's like in football. I always watch these football games. I say, why did these guys go for an inch here, a yard here, a yard there, when they could pretty much just wait until the fourth down, save their energy, and do one big pass? Yes. Cal says to Abby, he goes, it's like this. We have, a, I think we actually have a clip. <laughs> Abby! Abby, where the hell have you been? Cal, Cal! Oh, I'm so glad I found you. Where the hell have I been? <laughs> well, it's a long story. And at that point, the whole episode, um, the way we aired it, it the way that we aired the episode this was the last this played first and mm. then the whole rest of the episode played right after this yes and so you actually get the story uh-huh. um, and they had never done that sort of um long story long <laughs> filmmaking before so season 1 episode 9 tuesday doomsday 
the response to this episode when it aired was tremendous and the response since then has been it's been a it's been a favorite of the fans they love the giggler um they said you know we've been looking for kind of a classic cop show villain and the giggler was a perfect one you know rooting for and we said what do you mean for don't you mean against (laughs) and they said oh yeah yeah this was a conversation we had with our fans so something that kind of goes unanswered in this episode that a lot of people ask about and speculate about on reddit on twitter people ask me it constantly in my instagram dms is what was the joke what was the joke that the giggler wanted published in the reader's digest that they just absolutely couldn't and I think now is a perfect time to reveal that joke. Yeah. You know, I think it's funny that you think that um, because you and I have gone back and forth on this because it's like for me, a joke is something that's a lot like scary, which is it's funnier <laughs> if, if you, you don't, don't know, know it. what it is. Yeah. You know, because you in your mind, you're imagining the funniest, most funniest thing. You know, oh, right. there's a pair of a pair of cows were talking in the field, right? Well, what could be funnier than that? You so know? I guess my thought here, Kent, and let me know if you disagree, is that this podcast is meant to show kind of all the behind the scenes, the the bad, the good, the bad, the ugly, and expose and share some stuff that maybe fans have never heard, unve- unveil secrets, un- um, and right some wrongs, uh, set the fair. record straight. That's fair. So, okay, here's the joke. It was um, a joke that we got from the Reader's Digest had published a list of their 100 funniest jokes of all time. This is true. And this joke, we took it from that list. It was like the third joke on the list. Here's the joke. Your mother has been with us for 20 years, said John. Isn't it time she got a place of her own? My mother, replied Helen. I thought she was your mother. And that's a joke from the Reader's Digest list of their 100 funniest jokes. Published but, in 1987. And that's not, but that's not the joke the Giggler was trying to get published because that, of course, is something that has been published yeah, in the Reader's another, Digest. Yeah, exactly. No, you're so here's right. the we joke. An, here's the you know, joke that, that the Giggler was trying to get published in the Reader's yeah, Digest. Yeah. All you're right? right. I was wrong. It's, Everything I just said was wrong. You're right, though. <laughs> it's in a Q&A format. Yep. Question. What uh-huh. kind of pants does Mario, the famous Mario from the Nintendo series, what kind of pants does he wear? And let me see if I can remember this one. It's um, um, plumber's pants. No. Denim, denim, denim. And, of course, the reason they couldn't publish this in the Reader's Digest was for two reasons. One, rights. Um, the rights. They didn't they'd have the rights. Could, they'd have to pay millions and millions of dollars. And then the second reason, because it's too funny. It's too funny. So those were the jokes that we kind of were arguing about whether they were going to be the Giggler's joke that he submitted to the Writer's Digest, and we never had resolved it. Writer's back. Digest. Now, that's something I'd like to see. Yeah. 
And the Writer's Digest is one where, you know, the Reader's Digest is, you read it, the Writer's Digest, they send you a blank notebook, you write in it. And um, that's pretty much been our uh, episode. So we hope that you enjoyed it. Um, This has been Crime Watchers. Crime Watchers is the unauthorized, uncensored recap podcast for Crime Stoppers Miami. If you don't know what Crime Stoppers Miami is by now, then what the hell have you been doing? Having a second screen experience? Uh, Because we just told you what it was. It was the hit network show of the 2000s. It starred me, Kent Montagna, and it starred my co-star here. Her name is Piper Beckett. Uh, Piper, where can people get the podcast and what should they do when they find it? They can get it wherever podcasts are sold so they can find it on Spotify, the Apple Podcast application on their phone. They can find it on Anchor. They can find it on uh, Apple. I think Spotify. it's on Stitcher. I think it probably feeds into Stitcher. Probably. I'll tell you where it definitely is. Is uh, bodegas. Find it at your neighborhood bodega. If you're um, living in New York City. If you're living in uh, the Greater Philadelphia, New Jersey uh, area, um, go find it at your Wawa. You know, I'm not sure. Find what- it at the jerk store. So that's where you can get it. When you get it, please subscribe. Please rate it. Give it five stars. Review Review it. it. Say something nice. And most importantly, tell a friend or a family member to download it and let it play on loop in their car. Tell your little nephew to listen to it. Buy a second phone. So you can have one phone for all of the stuff you want to do and another phone playing the podcast at all times. Buy a third phone. Airdrop. Call your mom on it. And tell her about the podcast. Airdrop a meme to The Girl on the Train, which is a book you could also read. It's by Paula Hawkins. It's a thriller. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye.